The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. We're back. I'm Joe Galina. And as always, I'm joined by my friend, Scott Chu. How's it going there, Scott? Never been better. I mean, that's not true, right? Like, I'm still recovering from surgery, and I can't get my freaking tech stuff to work for this or for first pitch and all this other stuff. But otherwise, I'm great. Oh, and the weather sucks. Did I say that, too? I'll tell you, man. When I woke up this morning, by the way, we're recording this on April 19th. 2022 of course i think that we, that we had a snow out right the, the the guardians game i think i saw a picture there were actually there was actually snow in the stands but it was 39 degrees here in new york city when i woke up and it's it really feels cold but this is what we've come to expect when it comes to april baseball right it's just you know up and down rain snow and 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 uh delays and it's just part of uh par for the course i guess right yeah, I mean, checking the weather in April for fantasy baseball is just incredibly important because they cancel tons of games right now. There's a reason the Tigers have only played at night like twice mm. because they're ready for delays and re- like and reschedules and all that. So like especially in weekly leagues, you got to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, we're about a, a week and a half in, into the uh, what's going to be obviously a very long, long season. We've had a little hiatus, like uh, Scott talked about. We had some technical issues the past couple of weeks, but how's the uh, baseball season treating you so far there, Scott? Oh, uh, some of my teams are doing great, and some are just absolutely awful, and <laughs> I don't care that much yet. Like yeah. Injuries have been a factor, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been, you know, like two weeks, maybe. Like we're just starting to see players get 50 played appearances and things like that. So, I, I mean, like, I don't care that much yet, but I will very soon. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're still early enough in the season where you could be in first place one day and then the next you could be in second to last, you know, in the standings in, in your league. So, like you said, very, very early. Uh, and we know there's going to be plenty of peaks and valleys and uh, looking forward to uh, – analyzing your famous rolling charts as the season wears on. But uh, let's uh, just talk a little bit about what's been going on in baseball. We're kind of seeing the future of baseball. There's got with pitch 
uh, and I'm not talking PitchCon, the pitcherless four-day event, but PitchCom, which uh, allows pitchers and catchers to communicate electronically. The catcher doesn't have to, you know, throw down the sign, and uh, it's designed really to curtail sign stealing. Uh, the only thing is that a lot of times it just hasn't been working there, Scott. And, and poor Yankee closer Araldis Chapman uh, the other day, uh, last week, couldn't hear the darn thing, and he had two brutal days. He issued three straight walks on Thursday, and then the next night uh, walked in the winning run. Uh, on, on Thursday, Michael King had to come in and, and bail him out, and Chapman was just saying that he couldn't hear the catcher on PitchCon, but basically the catcher was just telling him, throw strikes around this. Yeah, I guess, like, <laughs> he might not have been able to hear the combo. Could he see the glove? Right. right like, right. <laughs> if you're not sure, hit the glove, bud. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, I'm not a pitching coach or anything, but I feel like when in doubt, hit the glove and we'll yes. figure the rest out. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm not sure that's going to change anything, but it is interesting. Yeah, like I said, they think that there'll be less sign stealing and also they'll think that it might help to speed up the game. And by the way, as per at Stats by Stats, Araldis Chapman is the only reliever in the modern era to walk all three or more batters he faced in one appearance and then issue a walk-off walk in his next appearance. Uh, but uh, more futuristic baseball stuff, Scott. It just came out today. Like I said, we're recording this on, on Tuesday. They're using this uh, pitch clock in the minor leagues, and they're really enforcing it. And they say that it's shaving an average of 20 minutes per game. Uh, so the games are shorter, and it's not affecting the uh, average number of runs that are being scored. So uh, clocks in the minor leagues are being enforced at 14 seconds with the bases empty and 18 seconds with runners on base. Sure. Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, it's an optics problem to me because I feel like with all the stuff going on in baseball to have leadership so focused on this when nobody's clamoring for it. Um, you know, cause that's the thing is that's what I'm not here. Like, I don't know. I hear baseball talk to me a lot about pace of play, but I don't hear a lot of the fans talking about pace of play, except for the folks that don't watch baseball anyway. Mm. So, I, I mean, it's anecdotal, but I, I'm curious to see like where they're getting the data that says like, we got to really push on pace of play. I think that, like you said, it's, it's for maybe the casual fan. Like, you know, you and I will watch a three, three and a half hour game, you know, no problem because we love the game. But in order maybe to attract new fans, they feel that, you know, they need to really, you know, quicken the pace. And, and, and with, you know, as time goes on, uh, you know, we're kind of a society that just, you know, wants things now and we can't wait. So eh, we'll see. But uh, I think it's a good thing personally. But uh, so uh, we've been a, a little bit of a wacky, start to the season we've seen the angels intentionally walk uh cory siegel with the bases loaded uh, they were already trailing three two and manager joe madden said he was trying to avoid the big blow uh, and by the way the walk put the angels down four to two they ended up winning the game nine to six hey joe madden looks like a genius now Dad, I'm such a genius. yeah actually this has happened twice now in baseball history and in both cases the, the team that did the intentional walk with the bases loaded won the game. Buck Showalter was the other <laughs> and uh, they both won the game. So uh, there's no like, I guess the analytics and I, I have to admit, I haven't done them suggest that like this is always a bad idea. 
but it has worked twice. Like it's two and zero, oh, despite probably being a bad idea, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's it's two. I mean, and it's two guys who like while they don't seem like they'd be very common in Buck Showalter and Joe Madden. Both of them have one thing in common, and that you can imagine both of them saying, "I just got a gut feeling." I had a gut yeah. feeling. Yeah. You're yeah. like, okay, whatever. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, you mentioned Buck Showalter. Just gonna uh, an aside here because you know, just wanted to see uh, what was going on with the Mets, and uh, everyone was worried that he wasn't gonna let Starling Marte run. Well, uh, coming into Tuesday's action, the uh, Mets were had the second most stolen bases in baseball, and then Marte actually stole another base today. So I think he has three on the season. So don't worry about it. Uh, Showalter's going to let the Mets run. No, sure seems like it. <laughs> like like you mentioned, they're they're way up there in stolen bases now. Part of that, I think, is like the nature of their opponents and the fact that as a team they're also hitting well. Mm-hmm. So. I, I wonder how much of it is that like stealing is really situational and manager does have a, a big, you know, a big impact on how often you run, but so does team contact. So a lot of these numbers are weird. Like I don't expect Atlanta to continue having zero stolen bases, mm-hmm. right? Like nobody in Atlanta has stolen a base and that's going to change. Right? Sure. Albies Detroit has steal a couple. Yeah. No Detroit doubt. has one steal, mm-hmm. like just one. And now part of the problem is they're just not hitting, mm-hmm. right? Like as a team, their average is 201. So it's hard to do that when you're not getting on base. Other teams aren't stealing as much because they're hitting for a ton of power, right? Like the Cubs, oh, why do they need to steal, right? Like they're hitting the ball hard. So we're going we're gonna to find out more about that. But, you know, in the short term, what we can see is that the Mets are going to get to run. And and that's good. They, they got to do something to generate runs. They got... They've got, it's weird. They've got a lot of hitters and also very few of them. So they got like a lot of moving pieces on that particular roster. But the nice thing is, is they kind of always need Starling Marte to run because I just don't think they're going to get consistent offensive performances to get them to win games. And as long Mm. as they're in contention in that division, I think they're going to have to steal bases to win. Yeah. I'm going to take a sideways turn here since you mentioned the Tigers. Uh, What's going on with Badu? You know, Badu is a young player and he's he's streaky, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he is hitting a little lower in the lineup than than I'd like. And the the other thing that's going on at the same time is Victor Reyes is hitting really well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh for a decent amount of time, and again, it's super early, but he like led the league in expecting batting average or something like that. He he's hitting really well, so there's no need to put all that pressure on Badu. And they've done with this they've done this with him in the past where when he's going through a rougher point, they move him to lower in the lineup to take pressure off. And AJ Hinch will do that. So it it works. I mean, if you think about it, Kyle Tucker stayed at the bottom of that Astros lineup for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, despite probably being ready to move up. So that is something that is is possible. And I'll tell you that in a lot of 10 or 12 teamers where you only have three or four outfield, uh, you can probably let him go and move on to something else for now. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, but the, I mean, they got to be patient with him, right? Uh, with uh, Badu, I mean, it, I was listening to you know preseason interviews; they were really high on him. AJ Hinge was really high on him. You don't think there's a chance that they might just you know send them down just so that he you know fixes himself or whatnot? Batting 087 coming into today's action. No, and and part of that is because if he has one game where he's three for four, all of a sudden he's hitting two hundred. 
<laughs> right? right? Like, we're still yeah. at that point in the season. I mean, that yeah. actually happened to Xander Bogarts. He raised his batting. He got three hits in a game, raised his batting average by, like, 72 points. Mm-hmm. And it was in the last week. Like, we're still at that stage. Right. So he has, like, two multi-hit games in a row, and all of a sudden, the stat line changes completely. Right. So that's right. the one thing to watch out. I mean, if you look at the top performers in Major League Baseball – you still have these folks who had like two big games and nothing else. And they're still up there just because there's not enough sample. And I know it's like everyone's in April's like, Oh, sample size. But like, that's really the biggest thing about that sample size is you won't even like one day will change their entire stat line. You'll sound dumb. We'll record this. We're like, Oh, so-and-so is struggling. We'll have a three for three game. And all of a sudden they'll be like, no, he's not. His, his stat line's great. Right, right. He's batting 286. You know, it, yeah, it, you're, it is that early in the season, uh, you know, like we alluded to earlier. Um, also, I'll take another sidestep. Uh, what do you think about all these uh, pitchers being yanked out of games while they're pitching no hitters? Like you, uh, Darvish and Sean Manaya from the Padres, both taken out of games uh, where they, uh, you know, were pitching a no hitter. And of course, the, the one that everyone's really up in arms about is. Uh, a few days ago, uh, last week, when Clayton Kershaw was robbed of the chance to pitch a perfect game, was six batters away uh, from doing so. So I was just out of curiosity, how, how do you feel about that? I mean, I'm glad I'm not the manager telling Clayton Kershaw he can't go out there and keep trying to get a perfect game. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, the biggest thing, we talked about this a lot in the First Pitch podcast as well. Like, folks were just, they didn't get to pitch much in the spring. Like, it was a really reduced spring training. Nobody pitched more than, I think, uh, 13 or 14 innings in the spring. So, like, how were they, you know, how could they possibly expect someone with health issues in the spring to pitch, you know, 100 in a game when they've barely thrown 100 all spring? Mm -hmm. You know, like they haven't thrown 100 pitches all spring. How are you going to have them do it in one day? And, yes, I'm sure some of those guys could have done it because they're in great phenomenal shape, blah, 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 blah. But. It was a real concern, and I think we're just starting to see that go the other way. Like, just think about the first two weeks and how many days we had where nobody had a quality start. Right, right. It's right. not. It's not just that hitting is a little better and pitchers are you know teams are more conservative with pitching. It's because teams just weren't stretched out. That's why all the like that's the other thing. If you look at like uh, the fantasy leaderboards for pitchers, it's a bunch of middle relievers who have vultured a bunch of wins because mm-hmm. pitchers were coming out in the fourth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was looking at that stat. Adam Simber, I think, is one. Yeah. yeah, that I mean, there are these guys that have poached a bunch of wins from pitchers who weren't ready yet. That's going to stop, and pitchers are going to add that extra inning back to their back to their starts. I wouldn't worry about that too much. Hmm. Okay, I mean, I, I agree with you in terms of, especially with Kershaw, that you know he uh, spent a lot of last season on the IL. But the, the only thing is that, hey, if you're trying to you know get more people interested in the game. You know, a no hitter and uh, especially a perfect game, you know, the, the perfect game doesn't happen uh, too often. So it kind of robbing, robbing uh, fans of the chance of seeing history. But, hey, what uh, is the uh, the uh, what are the Dodgers trying to do? They're trying to win the World Series. And, and if they could keep Kershaw healthy all season long, uh, I, I get it. The owners um, don't care about you and me, Joe. They don't care I'm... about any of us. But anyway. <laughs> yes, we digress, right? Um, so uh, heading into Tuesday's action there, Scott, you know which team was tied for scoring the most runs in baseball? There were two. No, enlighten me. Okay. Dodgers, not not a surprise yet, right? 
but the A's, both of them had scored 58 runs heading into Tuesday's action. Uh, you know, and you take a look at those two teams, right? The the Dodgers have, if not the highest payroll, uh, you know, the top two, top three, and the A's have one of the lowest payrolls, and 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 they're kind of like the fighting A's, no? Yeah, I mean, sure, we've seen teams go on these like weird runs where they win a bunch of games. I think last season we were looking at the A's awkwardly because they they started out so poorly, they lost like a bunch of games. And they had, I think, Ramon Laureano or something steal like a bazillion bases. But if I was looking at, you know, how their run scoring has gone this season, and I was kind of looking, I was like, wow, they've scored a ton of runs. When did that happen? And it happened in like two games. Mm. <laughs> like they've had a couple games where they have scored more, but it was really, they scored 13 runs uh, last Monday. And then they scored nine runs the next game. Like they beat up on the race for two days and that was 21 of their total runs. That's like almost half of what they have. Out of all teams game. to beat up on the race, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, of the, the team that I would have expected would handle this like starting pitcher issue and, you know, having to use a lot of bullpen, I, I would have expected them to be better about it. Uh, they've also been on the road for most of the year, which helps them quite a bit because it's hard to hit where they are, right? It's hard to hit in the Coliseum and, and they're actually starting. They just started a homestand, but they did score five runs, but you know, they're going to keep scoring a little bit because they get the Orioles, the Rangers coming up. Uh, so, you know, they'll get some softer pitching, but it's more a matter of, you know, again, they have two big games where they scored a bunch of runs and mm. that'll put you, I mean, that's all you need, right? You're, you're at the top. Now you have any A's on your fantasy teams? Uh, I think I've got Matt. Uh, no, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> really, <laughs> no, because there. I mean, Ramon Laureano is suspended. There's, mm. I, you know, I don't really think about what team folks are on. Like, I don't really think about it. Like, oh, do I roster any A's? But mm-hmm. it is worth noting that like this this lineup is weird. It and really is. In, yeah, and in, sh- in shallow leagues, it's just not super useful. All mm-hmm. the way through. There's a couple guys, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, maybe Tony Kemp, right? Um, and in deeper, deeper leagues, and or maybe th- these guys are probably best for your watch list. Uh, Sheldon Noisy, 27 year old uh, former Dodger, who uh, in five minor league seasons had a 294, 354, 461 slug. Uh, seems to be playing a little bit better. Um, well, Seth Brown, I mean, terrible batting average, but has some real power. And Christian Pache, who uh, the A's traded for from the Braves. He was a former top prospect in the Braves uh, organization. So we'll see. But uh, just thought it was just interesting uh, and ironic that the A's were tied with the Dodgers for most runs scored coming into uh, today's action. It's, but, a, it's a great point to make, though, because if you go and look at the lineups, like there's a decent chance that like I couldn't have answered this question, but it'd be who are the three regular outfielders, right? Mm-hmm. Or who is in the outfield for them? Like nobody knows. You've not heard of the, a lot of these guys, right? Like right. you haven't really, no one really talks about Christian Betancourt, mm-hmm. right? And, and if you heard about Seth Brown, it was because he had like a hot week to start the season. Mm-hmm. And Christian Pache is a uh, a great defensive prospect out of Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? And they just didn't need him anymore. And Billy McKinney's been on like six teams now, 
right? Yeah. Batting yeah. third is Sean Murphy, who has started the season well. That's like the one guy that yes. I can see being picked up by a ton of like right. 10, I should 12, have mentioned him. 12 guys because he is actually a good defender behind the plate. He is showing off some power. He strikes out too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, he actually doesn't strike out that much. And he had an okay season last year with 17 home runs. So, I mean, yeah, he could break 20 home runs. He's maybe better than a normal streaming catcher, but we're not entirely sure yet because the batting average has fallen out before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good names that you brought up. I, I should have brought up uh, Sean Murphy. But uh, so uh, let's move on and uh, can't really do an early season podcast without bringing up the name Stephen Kwan. Uh, and the Cleveland Guardians, and uh, uh, by now we've all been exposed to the wrath of Quan, and I borrowed that from Rotowire's Jeff Erickson, so I want to give him credit. But uh, uh, Stephen Kwan, remember we we had done uh, podcasts in the fall, and we were talking about how anemic we thought that the Guardians' offense was going to be, and then we were just looking at some of their prospects, and we came. Do you remember we came across Stephen Kwan, and uh, uh, you know. Three a minor league career, 301, 380, 438, triple slash. Really started out like a house of fire so far uh, this season there, Scott. Yeah, except, you know, he is O for his last 13 or 15 or something like that. And that doesn't mean he's not legit, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's only 37 plate appearances, but there's something to be said about a 20%, like a walk rate over 20% and a strikeout rate under 5%, Right. Like there's there's something here with Stephen Kwan uh, and hitting at the top of that lineup is great. But also remember, those first two series were against the Royals and the Reds, not known for their pitching. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> and where are they now? They're up against uh, they're at home, but they're against San Francisco, who does pitch really well. Yeah, they do. Right. And and so that is, I think, something we're going to see. That's more likely a story coming out of the Guardians sort of quarters is that. They're not actually that good, right? Like this offense is not very good. It was good for two weeks, right? But like Owen Miller, he was batting six and I think they are going to move him in the lineup. But like how much production can you expect to get out of the Guardians fifth and sixth hitters? It's just going to be limited because the Guardians offense is limited and anyone can get hot for two weeks. But like you can't have, I mean, Jose Ramirez and Fran Mel Reyes are really good, but and Miles Straw has been better than expected. But the bottom half of this lineup of Josh Naylor, Ahmed Rosario, Owen Miller, Andres Jimenez, and like Austin Hedges or Oscar Mercado or whatever, it's just it's too limited to get super excited about Miller or Quan, but especially Miller until he gets to move up. Like if he was batting fifth, I'd care a lot more. Mm-hmm. But like the number of RBI that he can produce hitting behind Josh Naylor and Ahmed Rosario has a hard cap. It just does. So that's why I'm a little worried. Like the only thing that's kind of cool about this lineup is it's a lot younger than you think it would be. Right. Um, it, it, it is a very young lineup and a very young team all around. I think the oldest player in their starting lineup is, is Jose Ramirez. Uh, he, who's not quite 30 and Austin Hedges isn't quite 30. Mm-hmm. Um, their oldest starting pitcher at this exact moment is 27.2 years old, Zach Plesac. So it's a young team and we're going to see these ups and downs, but Again, you can't like don't you can you're allowed to be a little excited about Stephen Kwan and Owen Miller. I think Owen Miller is going to be on the list this week, um, but it's also a thing where these are these are replacement level guys until further notice. 
Mm-hmm. Like anyone can get hot for two weeks at any given time at, in a season, you can go to the 15 day leaderboard and see random people. And that's still where we are. We are still in the first like 15 games of the season. Yeah. So it does, it does make things fun when you watch this guy get off, you know, Quan get off to the start that he did. And you make some great points in terms of, you know, the level of competition that he's been playing against. But then you look at what he's done throughout his minor league career has always been a very good contact hitter has a 98.2% contact rate so far, which I know is unsustainable, of course. But if you temper your expectations and know that this guy who's 5'9", 170 pounds, is basically, uh, you know, in my opinion, he could develop into a guy that could hit for a decent average, maybe, you know, a long-term, maybe a 280, 290 hitter. Maybe, you know, once he fills out a little bit, maybe mid-teen home run power, upwards of 10 stolen bases. I think that just what we need to do, and it's kind of like I'm reinforcing what you just said, is like, you know, basically, you know, hold our horses, temper our expectations. But definitely when you see somebody get off to a start like this, it, it makes baseball a lot of fun. Yeah, and you're just like a guy, he makes a ton of contact. Like there's more, yes. there's even more intrigue in a points league simply because he makes a ton of contact. He's always putting the ball in play. And mm-hmm. that's what we like to see, you know, and, and in a full season, what I would expect from a guy like Quan is to be, you know, I'm, I've been trying to think of like a really good comp for him about what we could expect if he has like a pinnacle kind of season. And it's probably like Brian Reynolds, mm-hmm. like 20 ish home runs and then like five to eight stolen bases. I was that, thinking maybe Alex Verdugo light Verdugo is another mm-hmm. one with yeah. this type of profile. Mm-hmm. Michael Brantley to some extent has Good this one. kind Good of profile. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So these are the kinds of guys that he can be, which is, which does two things, right? Um, or, you know, actually even, even like AJ Pollock has final numbers that usually look like this to some extent, right? Good batting mm-hmm. average, but you know, everything else is kind of limited. I think that it's it's dependent on lineup. So you like him hitting right in front of Jose Ramirez and Fran Reyes. That's a good way to score runs. You like that he's constantly putting the ball in play. But again, the upside is still limited. The upside is it's hard to see a guy like that. You know, Brian Reynolds is about as valuable as we've seen a player like this become. And that like that when that's your ceiling, it's hard to get like super duper excited. But he is a guy that I think he's the kind of ga- guy I do like to add early in seasons because you never know. Maybe it works out. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't, he's easy to cut. It's not like you no. did anything. You know, it's not like you did anything. So it's a great story that you get to just ride until it's done. And then right. you'll, you know, you'll either let him go or he'll manage to Verdugo his way onto your roster for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I even like uh, Miller's story because he was kind of, you know, under Quan's shadow. But when he came up last season, kind of like a fairly highly touted Indian prospect, and now they're the Guardians, of course. But uh, in 60 games last year, batted 204, and then he uh, really worked on his swing with uh, Guardians hitting coach Chris Valeka, made some mechanical changes, and and obviously we see some results. And I, I think that long term, he's uh, not going to be a 30 home run hitter, but I think he's going to have a little bit more power than Quan. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, overall, like I said, we have to temper our expectations, but I think both these guys could eventually be, you know, good in OBP leagues and, uh, you know, hit, hit for some average. So we'll see. Just like I said, makes baseball 
fun. Yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, if nothing else, whether, you know, I doubt that this happens, but I want to see how many of those doubles that Miller's been hitting can turn into home runs. Mm-hmm. You like, you know, and you also like the flexibility. But again, like you look at the, the counting stats, he he had four consecutive games where he scored two runs as the number six hitter for the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Like that's just not a sustainable stat creation. Oh, agreed. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The hitting, like he could keep hitting like this. I mean, he won't, but he could keep hitting like this for a while and still have the results get worse because you just don't expect this offense to have this many stats available for the number six or seven hitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, agree. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show Let's move on to the Phillies. Alec Bohm and Bryson Stott, basically proverbial tale of two cities. Uh, it was kind of a weird decision the Phillies had made. At least it, it appeared weird at the time uh, where they decided to keep both on the major league roster uh, for opening day. Uh, Baum had struggled in spring training and last season also struggled in the bigs. Uh, it would have made more sense if he was sent down to the minor leagues. But you know what? The guy's hitting pretty well. Um when I was uh, looking at his stats, he hadn't struck out in 17 plate appearances. Also hasn't hit a home run, but was batting 636. Obviously unsustainable, but uh, like I said, really struggled this spring with a 206 batting average. And then you have Bryson Stott, who um, had put up some really good numbers in the minor leagues, killed it in the spring, uh, was batting 419 in 37 plate appearances, but uh, he's got a 33% K rate and, and he's struggling. Yeah. You know, the first thing about Bohm is what Bohm was always touted for is this hit tool, right? I mean, he, he had a really, really good hit tool. He was really good at hitting for a really high batting average ever since like 2019. That's really when he broke out as a prospect and it was really frustrating last year to see him not kind of meet that potential this is another guy who uh sort of profiles similarly in terms of like overall stat production to like steven kwan right to michael brantley to these guys that can hit a you know somewhere between 15 and 20 home runs steal five to seven bases hit two you know there's a and then all that really separates them is what batting average they can create right and he's a guy who i do think could hit a you know hit 280 Right. Technically, that's also his like major league line, uh, even though it doesn't feel like it should be that high. It's because it's really elevated by really 2020. But I think he could hit closer to 280 to 90 and, and be really good. It's just going to be a matter of it takes time. Obviously, we've seen him be frustrated 
and uh, express his displeasure sometimes for the uh, city of brotherly love. But yeah, I got to wash his mouth out with soap. Yeah, but he <laughs> he's a he's not a great defender, but he's an okay defender. Mm-hmm. And the you know the Phillies probably don't have as much to play for as they think they do right now. I like seeing Bohm not strike out. I like, you know, the you know the power's been a bit limited. It's a really small sample, whatever. It's just good signs out of Bohm are, are good signs in general. I'm not adding him in 10 or 12 teamers yet, but I'm curious, right? I'll at least watch list him. Third base is kind of desperate anyway, especially if, I have an, if you have an injury at the hot corner. I know it's tough to fix because it was hard enough to draft. Mm-hmm. Forget about fixing it in season. And then with Stott, he's just a young player, man. Like, he, you know, he, he didn't have strikeout problems in the minors. In fact, he had excellent plate discipline in the minors. I do expect that to come back. Uh, the batting average might still be a little weak, but I, yeah, I'm less, you know, his fantasy upside is a bit higher because I think he could run more mm-hmm. uh, and he's, you know, he's got all this promise and he could make adjustments really quickly, but unless he makes adjustments a lot faster than I would expect a player of this age and experience, he's only got 10 games at triple a, um, I think I think he'll be tough to roster in anything but deep leagues for now, mm-hmm. right? In deep leagues, you just hold and you wait. But in shallow leagues, I think you can just keep looking, watching. He, mm-hmm. He's not an ad yet in most in most leagues. And most people right. won't be looking for him because you got to search him by name. He's at the bottom yeah. of the leaderboards. Yeah. Yeah, if you sort his stats, he, you're not going to be uh, – he's not going to come up <laughs> right now. Um, speaking of, of young uh, players and rookies that are struggling, Julio Rodriguez is, is uh, breaking my heart. Uh, outfielder for the Mariners uh, at a 412 batting average, three home runs, eight RBI in spring, forced the Mariners basically because of his level of play to add them add him to the opening day roster. Is he a guy um, that you're on your watch list? Is he a guy that uh, in a 15 teamer? He's got to be rostered still. Yeah. Yeah. And a 12 teamer. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got to be. And you just accept the fact he's not doing great right Right. now that he's been moved down the, like his, in his last start, he batted ninth, but keep in mind, like, early in the season, he does have a hit in three of his last four, mm-hmm. right? The strikeouts are still, you know, there's still a couple bases too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stole a base. Um, there's, there's stuff going on there, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The strikeout rate is really high. Like that's a problem, but again, it's 35 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. If he has, he, he didn't strike out at all last game. And that probably changed his strikeout rate dramatically mm-hmm. and it'll do it again. Right. He has two more games where he only strikes out once or twice. I bet he shaves another 10 to 15% off that strikeout rate because all the stats are really volatile right now. That's why we talk about small sample. And this was your sixth lesson of the day on small sample. <laughs> yes. Um, um, Joe Adele, not a rookie anymore, but uh, he's back to his old habits. 48.6% K rate uh, has a 235 ISO, <laughs> but um uh, and you look at some other young guys that are struggling with strikeouts. Uh, Josh Lowe, 36.8. Bobby Witt, uh, 33% strikeout rate. Uh, your guy, Spencer Torkelson, 32% strikeout rate. Um, is this just, you know, growing pains that we have to just basically accept? I mean, if, you know, one of my, uh, one of the uh, legends in our industry, Lenny Melnick, uh, 
always said uh, a rookie is a rookie is a rookie and and like you know uh you know some of these guys uh, i think just going to struggle for a while and we'll just have to wait for your rolling chart to see when uh, when they come when they bounce back <laughs> what you know lesson number seven on small sample uh, ever since Torkelson got his first hit on April 12th, so beginning with the game starting April 12th, Spencer Torkelson's strikeout rate is 16.7%. You are the uh, man. That, that's I love the way you defend your Tigers. That's <laughs> <laughs> for the last five games. He also has uh, he has hits in four of those five games. He has a run scored in four of those five games. Mm -hmm. Uh, his stat line during those, again, it's only five games, but over the last five games, he's hitting 400, 500, 867. Um, he's raking Spencer Torkelson looks really, really exciting. It does help that he got a taste of the Royals pitching as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's also only struck out three times across those five games, uh, and he has two walks. So again, it takes very little time for stats to change and it can still be heavily it, like I, I talked about his last five games. He's only played nine, right? It's because mm -hmm. he struck out a bunch in his first four games. It's going to take time for that to go away. He went, he had two strikeouts in the first game, two in the second, three in the third game. And that's most of his strikeouts, right? Because like mm -hmm. on the season, on the season, we talk about, okay, he's played nine games and he does have a strikeout rate of 33%, but like that's 10, that's 10 strikeouts. He has 10. <laughs> like, yes, in 25 at-bats, that's a lot, but it's 10. He has a 280 ISO. I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, ISO. 280 yeah. I, yeah, ISO. And yeah, he yeah. didn't, like, his first, what is that, 10 of, the first 10 at-bats of the season, he didn't get on base. Right? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> it's 10! But it matters right now because he only has 20, or he has 31 plate appearances total. Right? Mm -hmm. He has 10 strikeouts. That's it. He has 10. I, so I, should, I'm just, I, should, I shouldn't have lumped him in with Joe Adele, who has a... Well, no. So it, <laughs> Well, you should, because the, the numbers suggest you should. The difference is, when I look at Adele's yeah. game log, you don't see this split where, oh, good, then bad. Right? Mm. You love to see Torkelson make an adjustment. Clearly, he did something over the course of three games that was a lot better than what he's been doing. Right. Right. He goes to the, like he goes into the Boston series and the Kansas City series much better than he does the White Sox series. I don't think there's a lot to kind of dispute there. But again, like with with Adele, he's what in his third series. It is a huge concern for Adele because he's not walking either. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that's a problem. And if he's not going to walk, he needs to strike out way, way less. He needs play to split numbers like we saw last season of like if he's only if he's going to walk less than 6% of the time, he's a strike out 25% of the time or less. But that's not happening right now. So, you know, you don't love seeing the game log for Joe Adele. He struck out at least once every game. Mm. That's different, right? We've seen like power and he he does have a hit in four of his last five. That's cool, but the strikeout rate is still horrible because he's striking out every game. That's the difference between those two guys. Go and look at the game logs right now and and see what that's like. A, like at least one strikeout every game is troubling. But with Torque, you see like, okay, it was a small patch where he had he was it was really rough. You still holding out hope for Adele at this stage? If you, if I don't you, have in ten no, twelve teamers, no, I don't have I know to, you, but, not you personally, but if yes. you did decide to roster him. Okay. 
Yes, because he's got like, you know, his upside is a lot different where, again, it's looking more and more remote by the day that this can happen. But this is a guy who can be a 25 home run, 10 stolen base guy right now. Right. That's that is hard to find. I think that in deeper leagues, you have to keep holding for now. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's, you know, in a shallower format. Like the 10 and 12 teamers, the Yahoo standard formats, you don't have to if you don't want to. Mm. There's just uh, too many outfielders available in those leagues to like need to chase what Joe Adele can reasonably do. Right. And one of the guys, and he might not even be available at this stage because he got off to such a hot start, is Jesus Sanchez, Marlins everyday center fielder. Uh, you know, this is his he, he hasn't played a full season in the majors yet, but this is his third season in the major leagues and really <laughs> doing well um, through his first eight games, 343 batting average has uh, two two uh triples two home runs eight rbi basically the shift isn't going to work on this guy the way he's hitting right now can hit the ball to all parts of the field with authority you look at his ball distribution he's pulling the ball 31 percent of the time 37 percent of the time he's hitting the ball straight away and the other 31 percent of the time he's hitting the ball to the opposite field so uh good power building confidence as the season goes on uh just 36 plate appearances last I looked, uh, but much better plate discipline so far this season. Just a 16.7 K rate for Jesus Sanchez. Yeah, the strikeout thing really doesn't pop up till later in his minor league career, but he, he does strike out probably a little more than I'd like. I mean, I know that in the game today he has two hits, but also two strikeouts. I talked a lot about him in the, you know, if you're on Reddit at all, every, uh, you know, every Friday we do a Reddit Ask Me Anything. I have taken that over for Nick as pitcherless senior uh, fantasy analyst, whatever that means. But I've taken over that. And this was probably the guy I got asked about the most uh, in terms that I didn't really expect. Jesus Sanchez is a player who does have a ton of power. I think in a full season, uh, there's two kinds of outcomes that I sort of laid out that I could see for him. There's the there's the one where he progresses like most players of his archetype, which are generally low, you know, lower hit tool, high power, uh, you know, kind of guy. It, the one thing that's kind of nice is that he's left handed, so he'd be on bigger sides of platoons if he had to be. But this is a guy that is either going to have a 25 to 30 home run season and hit like 250, or there's this next level where we see Jesus Sanchez make. Uh, you know, have play discipline more similar to what we saw from him in the early minors and in AAA last season. That version of Jesus Sanchez can hit like 270 to 80 with 30 to 35 home runs over the course of a full season because that version's a full time player. It's a good time to like sort of make a grab here, uh, especially when he's playing right handed pitching and just mm-hmm. see what happens. Right. I mean, this is a this is a big guy, 6'3, 222. He has, I think now, and he, he's now in his fourth consecutive game with multiple hits, right? Uh, he has two today, so that makes, yeah, four in a row. And then in, my gosh, he has six multi-hit games in his last seven outings. So he's just hotter than anything. Not, not striking shabby. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just add him, see what happens. And, and if he can improve that contact uh, from where he was last season, he is a player worth rostering as a power source. Okay, and uh, I'm going to bring up just one other 
outfielder, and this is a guy not rosterable yet, but just a guy that I'm kind of watching. Jose Siri. I don't know if you're familiar with him from the from the Astros. Basically battling Chaz McCormick for playing time uh, and so far batting towards the bottom of the Astros lineup. And like I said, it's Tuesday, April 19th, and the day I bring him up, he's not in the lineup. But uh, I, I think that the talent is there. Uh, Dusty Baker has said that he's going to get you know semi-regular playing time. He's on my watch list through his first six games, batting three thirty-three uh, with a home run and a couple steals. And uh, what I like is that he's done equally well against righty and lefty pitchers. Again, very, very small uh, uh, sample size here. But uh, he's a guy that uh, I'm uh, keeping on my watch list, Jose Siri. Yeah, and what you're seeing in the, you know, sort of his 28 games of Major League exposure are probably the best case scenario for Jose Siri, which is a high strikeout rate, um, a walk rate that should be higher than 41%. Hopefully it can be closer to like that 8.3 he's got now, um, but it's probably going to be around league average for the walk rate, but he's going to strike out a lot, but he's got power and speed. I mean, this is a guy who zips projects, you know, if he had 112 more games that he'd end the season with 15 home runs and 20 stolen bases. He's got that kind of potential and he's really valuable in deeper Roto leagues, but it's going to be really streaky. The batting average isn't great. And he's in a platoon with Chaz McCormick, I think. So mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, I like Jose Siri. We talked about him a little bit last season uh, as well as a guy who could find some time because he's capable of playing center. Uh, he's right-handed. So he'll never be the big side of platoon. But again, it's power speed and mm-hmm. very little hit tool. So that just one of those guys. And as much as he could become like a 15 home run, 20 stolen base guy, he could also be yet another version of Lewis Brinson that toils around the league for a while with power and speed. Yeah. Yep. Um, before I, I'm going to talk to you about the hitter list that you're putting together, um, talk a little pitching. And I know that, uh, we don't usually talk too much pitching because we have a Nick Pollock and Alex Fast, two of the best analysts when it comes to pitching. But I just wanted to bring up uh, Diamondbacks uh, and the fact that they hired Brent Strom, a 73-year-old, highly regarded pitching coach, formerly with the Astros. And the job that he's done so far with uh, Merrill Kelly and even Madison Bumgarner. You know, everybody thinks that Madison Bumgarner is like 40 years old. The guy, I know he's been pitching forever, but he's still only 32 years old. gotten off to a nice start. I think he even pitched today and uh, pitched well. Uh, But 2.25 ERA in his first two starts uh, in just eight innings pitch. But uh, impressive that Bumgarner's velocity uh, is up one to two ticks as well. And uh, when it comes to Merrill Kelly, man, had a big spring and picked up uh, also about a tick on his fastball, throwing his change up a little bit more. uh, 13Ks in his first 9.1 innings pitch. One, two, three strikes, you're out. Uh, Love what Brent Strom has meant to the Diamondbacks so far. Yeah, interesting names there, right? Uh, Merrill Kelly does some interesting things. Zach Davies has always been on the periphery of fantasy relevance because of interesting things he can do. Zach Gallen also there and capable of doing very interesting things. Absolutely. Uh, too, bad the, too bad the rest of the team is very boring, right? <laughs> like, I like Dalton Varsho. I like that he hits at the top of the lineup. Uh, Cattell Marte obviously has talent. Um, David Pralta is one of the more boring number three hitters in the league. 
Uh, and Christian Walker is one of the more boring number four hitters in the league. Uh, <laughs> the back end of their bullpen, Mark Melanson isn't the oldest guy on this team. He's also not the second oldest guy on this team. He's not the second oldest guy in this bullpen. That's amazing, right? <laughs> because they have Oliver Perez and Ian Kennedy who are older. Amazing. Like, that what? Perez is still pitching. Yes. <laughs> Perez is still in the league. Mark Melanson is your closer, and he's not the oldest guy on your pitching or in your bullpen, and he's not the second oldest guy. That's just wild. That's that's wild. So, I mean, the pitching part is cool, and uh, how many wins will they have between the whole staff, right? Ten? It's gonna be it's gonna be a long, long season in Arizona, yeah. and I'm not really gonna care about the hitting until a couple prospects start making their way up because they do have some very interesting outfield prospects whenever they feel like bringing them around, like Corbin Carroll, who I think is you know he's a top ten to fifteen prospect depending on who you talk to. Very very exciting player. I think someone that we're all excited to see even more of. Mm-hmm. So, so that's big. Alec Thomas is another guy in their system who is, you know, he's left-handed. He can play all three positions in the outfield. I wouldn't be surprised to see him at some point this season. He's like a top 25 overall prospect. So those two guys will be interesting, but until they come up, (coughs) it's just a matter of like, Oh, Hey, cool. You guys are pitching a little and losing a lot. Hmm. Uh, the only way they could go is up, right? Hopefully, hopefully. So, um, so what else is going on there, uh, Scott Chu? Uh, any other players on your watch list? What's going on with the the hitter list? What can we expect? I think the one thing I want to talk about the hitter list. It'll be up tomorrow, or well, today if you're listening to this on Wednesday, one o'clock. Keep an eye out for it. I think the one thing I want to talk about really quick is the whole process of how do I decide what starts are legit and which ones aren't, right? And I want to talk about Seiya Suzuki. Seiya Suzuki. Love Seiya Suzuki. How could you not, right? Mm -hmm. The guy's walking 23% of the time, striking out 23% of the time, hitting, you know, video game numbers, four home runs, 11 RBI. He's doing absolutely fantastic. Uh, He had another multi-hit game yesterday. Uh, He's, I mean, he's just amazing. And there's a reason I think that that's more legit, right? It's because all we had coming into the season to, you know, with our projections and stuff, we're like, all right, this is what he did in international leagues. And generally, this is what we expect when you have those kinds of results in international leagues. Like, actually, Suzuki's playing right now, and he's uh, he's got two walks. So that's great. I think he's 0 for 1 with two walks. But mm-hmm. the, that's the thing, is his approach. We were like, man, we're really, we're really excited about this approach. Will it hold up in the major leagues? Will he be able to be a home run? Like, will he be able to hit that for that kind of power against the breaking balls he sees here, which are a lot different than the base breaking balls you see overseas? You don't see this kind of velocity overseas. Can he keep it up? And the answer is yes, right? Those skills that he had translated over better than we expected. Mm-hmm. That's the key. Like, we knew he had the skills. We weren't sure how they'd translate. So I'm very quick to buy in when I see what I'm seeing, right? Again, small sample size, but he now looks like a guy who has like 30-10 upside with yeah. like a 280-290 batting average. That's what all the right? projection models have for him. Yeah. Except if you if you look at if you go to fan graphs right now, you'll see that three projections have updated themselves and one has not. The bat has not updated, right? 
That's what we had going into the season because we is had it, to temper. Because they're lazy or what happened? No, no, no. No, I'm I mean, yeah, kidding. but like, and, and Derek Hardy does an awesome job with those. And yes, there's a does. reason yes. we were conservative, right? Because a lot of players have come from overseas and not performed at the level that we hoped. Mm-hmm. But he's done everything we could have wanted as a hitter. We know that that can happen. You know, Shohei Otani. I mean, we're not, we can't compare everyone to Shohei Otani, but this is a 27 year old in the prime of his career who's made the adjustment very quickly. And while I expect there to be ups and downs, that's why I'm willing to move Seiya Suzuki way up my ranks from where he was in the preseason, where many other players, uh, especially inside the top 100, don't move that much, Mm -hmm. right? Because I don't have a ton, but Seiya Suzuki has already moved up to the number 65 overall hitter, and I expect him to keep going up. If we can, if, the more he confirms that, yes, this is a 30 home run, 10 stolen base threat with a high batting average, he can continue to move up even higher, right? So if you're out there trading and you have someone who thinks that like, say a Suzuki is just sort of hot and you can trade, <clears throat> you know, you can trade like a top 75 hitter for him right now, which I doubt, but if you could, you should totally do it. I'm totally into buying high on certain guys and say a Suzuki would be one of those guys. And so like other players like a Stephen Kwan or an Owen Miller, they, you know, coming into the season, they still are very much in a prove it place where like, how long can you keep doing this? And so I say a Suzuki, but Kwan and Owen Miller are also surprising us with how well they're performing. We didn't think they could perform that well, right? We're like, yeah, we don't really expect this. Also, their upsides are a lot lower. Even if they do the best they can, neither of them can come close to hitting 30 home runs and neither of them will steal town bases. Agreed. Right? The ceiling not, is a lot lower than yeah, what we Neither have. of them are going to get 100 RBI. Mm-hmm. You know, neither of them are going to get, you know, are going to push for 85 to 90 runs. Like that's, well, maybe Quan will, but that's just not going to happen. Say Suzuki, it's all real. It's yeah. very easy to see how C.S. Suzuki finishes the season with 150 games played, 30 home runs, 10 stolen bases, and like 190 combined runs and RBI, and like a 290 batting average. You love it. You love to see that. Those are the kinds of things you can buy into right away. Whereas again, a Stephen Kwan and Owen Miller, the difference is like I'll buy, like I'll I'll grab them right away if I've got spots, but I'll also cut them right away if they go through two weeks of slow. Whereas Seiya Suzuki has already earned a much longer leash due to the upside that's in that bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, nine seasons overseas, a thousand fifty-five games, and a four hundred two OBP. So, and that's what I love about him is that you know uh, here he is in the major leagues. And he's walking at a 23% clip, you know, obviously not sustainable, but, you know, he's doing what he's always done and that's get on base and he's showing patience at the plate. And when you show patience at the plate, pitchers are going to make mistakes. And if you have some power, you're going to hit some home runs. So I'm also very high on say Suzuki as well. Uh, anybody else making any moves uh, upward, downward that you want to talk about? Well, I'll, I'll let the rest get, uh, you know, get revealed in the article, but mm-hmm. I did want to talk, you know, Jesus Sanchez is another guy who is going to move up quite a bit because I can see how, as I, you know, the one thing that's unusual about Jesus Sanchez, just to go back to him for a second, is that guys with this profile don't usually play center and Jesus mm-hmm. Sanchez can play center. So, you know, he's not an amazing defender, but he's pretty good. So he can play a reasonable center and that'll give him everyday playing time. Whereas most guys with that profile are corner outfielders and they get rotated a lot, especially in like Miami where they have hitters. That's the other thing. If the hitter list that I really have to consider as I'm doing this, what, you know, not only 
not only what are they doing now, but like, will a team let them keep doing that if they slow down for two weeks? And they'll let Jesus Sanchez keep playing center because he's sure. pretty good defensively. They'll let Seiya Suzuki keep going out in right field. The other thing I love about these two guys, specifically Jesus Sanchez and um, Seiya Suzuki, who are moving up, it's because their teams are moving them up in the batting order. That means the teams are buying it to some extent, right? Jesus Sanchez start, you know, he did hit third to begin the season and then it was seventh and then he was fifth, but he's been third or second over his last three games and really most of the season hitting second or third. That's mm-hmm. what I want, especially on a thinner lineup like Miami or with the Cubs. Uh, yesterday was the first time that say Suzuki hit fourth, right? And he should be hitting third or fourth for them. No doubt about it. I and I love to watch the team make that move. Right. So as they do that, it gives me more confidence that the team is also extending their leash because the next move, when a guy hit is hitting third or fourth in your lineup, the next move isn't um, demote, right? It's just slide him down in the order. And if he gets it back, he can still be useful there. Hmm. Not to devote. I don't want you to divulge too much because I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the picture list come out uh, tomorrow, actually today, because, uh, this podcast will be dropping on Wednesday, but interested to see uh, if there's been any movement on Cody Bellinger, who's seems like he's starting to come around a little bit. And and uh, I don't know what your feelings are on, on Christian Yelich, who has a, a 50 percent hard hit rate, if, if hard hit rate equates to, you know, uh, fantasy production or better fantasy production joe i'm so glad you brought up that stat because i actually brought up his uh his hard hit rate monday uh monday morning Mm -hmm. right uh on the first pitch podcast and it was 75 percent yesterday (laughs) (laughs) you lost 25 percent in one day (laughs) what's happening joe what's broke that's the next headline what's broken about christian yelich send them down to the minor leagues it you know it's a 25 percent reduction in hard hit balls um that's i mean you know that's what we're squawking about it's it's early season sample size or whatever and remember that like with even with bellinger right like at first they were like uh, i don't know you know through his first what was it like through his first four games he only had two hits his strikeout rate was atrocious like it looked horrible and then he has a couple multi-hit games right he has four multi-hit games in his last six outings and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he's back. Oh, hey, guys, don't worry. Cody Ballinger's back. Um, <laughs> it's obviously very encouraging. Yeah. Uh, but they're still batting him. Like, they're still batting him towards the bottom of that order. Way down. That's, yes. what I'm, <clears throat> that's what I'm watching for. Mm-hmm. What, let, him, let him work his way back up in the order. It's definitely something where you can keep rostering, right? That's great. He's giving you a reason to let him just stay on your roster. There's no need to cut him yet. The strikeout rate's down below 30%. And that's because of two games where he didn't strike out. <laughs> two of his last three games he didn't get a strikeout so it brought his strikeout rate down to something that looks palatable but that's that's just it that's it's just another example of this because he has 12 strikeouts right yeah um the three stolen bases are great two home runs are great um but remember that like two of those stolen bases came on the same day and he you know get watch out for you know thinking that these are trends watch out mm. for thinking that these things are are you know as as meaningful as you might think because keep in mind that like a lot of that da- like a lot of the damage he's done where it was against you know like cincinnati the reds who are right, awful right. at pitching right, right. uh but but again it, it's obviously a lot better than him not being good mm-hmm. which is great um i'm happy for it i wish you would have started the season a little stronger because he was in colorado but going to colorado is weird right you spend all the time in spring training then you go to colorado and the ball doesn't move the same 
Right. I, I get it all. They're at home. He's hitting, saying, well, that's great. I, I'm not buying or selling. I'm just holding because I don't know anything. I, I am not convinced I've learned a lot about Cody Bellinger yet, which is a cop out. But at the same time, like the upside's still there. You got to hold. Uh, you got to hold for quite some time. And then also, you know, you have to accept that there's, you know, the floor is a lot lower than we used to think. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, first pitch podcast, uh, you do three days? Just two. Oh, just, just two. Okay. But I, right. I did cover for, for Chad last week, and we'll we'll mm-hmm. cover for each other. Um, we're still kind of like, you know, we're still, we're still all trying to get a feel for how we want this to go. You know, my podcast mm-hmm. come out on Monday and Thursday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, obviously this podcast comes out on Wednesdays Wednesday. as mm-hmm. does the hitter list. Mm-hmm. So I, I have, I have four pieces of content coming out a week. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're sick of me, I'm sorry. Cause when do you, when you sleep, more. yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do but, I say? Uh, Actually, I took a nap uh, as we were getting ready to record this. That's why like, you're going to have to go through editing and cut out those silences. I was yawning. You can't uh, see me because my webcam's not working, uh, but I was yawning. Cause I just, I, I, I just slept. I, I, you're saying that I bore you? Is that is that what the issue is? Yeah. Also, I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> ah, I like it. Okay. All right. So good stuff. So I, I by the way, I, I love the first pitch uh, podcast. Everyone should listen to a good recap on uh, the night before. And uh, what time do you record that? By the way, uh, I'm always late. Um, so I'm recording in the morning, but Chad and, and James, you know, Chad lives on the West coast, mm-hmm. uh, Chad co-inventor of auto Neo, Chad. And, um, he, he records it at night because he's on the West coast. So right, he can just right. stay up. Like even I, I've got no excuse. Cause on Sunday I should totally be able to, as a 33 year old, stay up till midnight and, <laughs> and do the show. Cause everything ends early. It's in fact, it's why I took Sunday and I haven't been able to do it. So I've been blaming my surgery meds, but those are gone now. So I'm going to have to shape up or uh, find another excuse real soon. <laughs> okay. Well, good stuff. Uh, Scott, it's uh, good to be back with you. Yeah, I missed uh, recording these podcasts for the past couple of weeks. Glad that we have our little technical difficulties out of the way and uh, looking forward to a great season. So good stuff there, Scott Chu. And, yeah, uh, it's it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, I'm excited to go through these pretty soon. We're going to I'm going to actually get the hitter list done on time and we're actually going to have bigger changes to talk about. So <laughs> so that'll be a fun part of the show. But otherwise, I mean, it, it's just fun to see what's happening. I, I love that names have popped up. The only thing that's been weird about this season, to be honest, is that uh, Jed Lowry hasn't been on top of any hitter leaderboards yet. Like, <laughs> usually that's just an April, just an April thing. Yes. Right. That at it's some like, point, file, file your taxes and 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 see that uh, Lowry's batting like yeah. 380. That somebody is yeah. asking if Jed Lowry's back. Right. 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 As if he ever left us mm-hmm. being good in April. Right. And, you know, Brad Miller's another name that's been thrown around lately. Like, hey, look, these, some of these mm. veterans are especially these platoon veterans are going to get a nice set of matchups and just like go crazy for a week and look like the best hitters in the league because it's their, you know, those numbers will stand out. That happens anytime you look up a two-week sample. Mm-hmm. The Brad Millers of the world faced, you know, five-week righties, and he hit two home runs. Right. Right? So he's going to look great. So just just be patient. Like, don't start with the assumption that nothing is different, and then go to the stat lines and the, you know, fan graphs pages or, you know, our player pages, which are just getting better by the day. They go, are, to those, yeah. go to those and then see if you've changed your mind. That's mm-hmm. what I do early in the season. And I'm like – is this just a right, you know, the hardest thing to figure out is 
regular old hot streak versus something different. And a regular old hot streak can look like a lot of things, right? Strikeout rates will change because they're putting the bat on all the, like on everything. And their X stats will look amazing because like, yeah, line drives have really high expected batting averages, right? When you're smoking everything, all the stats are just, are are really just going to confirm you're making really good quality of contact. But if approach hasn't changed, if you want, you know, watching them obviously is always helpful and just seeing like, how much, you know, does it look like they know what they're doing in that box or, you know, looking at quality of competition early in the season can be a big deal. F- give like find a reason to debunk that this is something new. And if you can't do it, you should be very interested. Mm-hmm. All right. Great stuff as always. And that uh, slams the lid on things for today. Scott will be back uh, on Wednesday, April 27th. Until then, follow me at Joe Galina. Follow that guy, Scott Chu, at If the Chew Fits. Follow our podcast at, at Hacks and Jacks PL. If there's anything specific that you'd like to cover or if you have any questions, please let us know. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast content. Leave us a nice review. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time.